hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. She's a teen entrepreneur who is helping other teens learn and use their money wisely, including those in our queer community. She started a business at 16 and now has five employees. How did she do it and what inspired her? Let's find out on this week's Queer Money. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes so that we can continue to spread the message of living debt-free, having fun, and being money conscious to a larger audience. Ready? Let's do it. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Okay, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in-crowd. Everybody wants to... Look good. My decision was I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on. <laughs> uh... Grab a glass of wine because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. Well, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. We are excited to be hosting our first uh, teen professional today, I think is what we could call her. Um, So I'm sure our our listeners have heard us talk about FinCon before, maybe ad nauseum. They might be tired of it by now. Um, But we meet tons and tons of people through FinCon who do all sorts of amazing things in the the personal finance space. And um, for the last two years that we've... uh, hung out and talked with Eva Baker, who is the owner of Teens Got Sense. Um, she has an amazing story about how she got involved in being a personal finance professional so early, especially since I'm only figuring it out now <laughs> at 43. Um, so she's going to tell us a little bit about her story, about how she's helping teenagers across the country, and also how she's uh, how she's helping uh, LGBT youth teenagers as well. So uh, welcome, Eva. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. So just to give uh, maybe a better and more succinct uh, explanation of who you are to our listeners, do you mind uh, giving us a little bit of your background? Yes, absolutely. So when I was 16 um, is when I started Teen Scott Sense, and I, I, I started it as a high school project. I was homeschooled all the way through high school, which I absolutely loved. And if you are a baker... Um, you are required to complete a pretty substantial high school project for your junior and senior year. Um, you know, find something that you're passionate about and, you know, that's going to involve or, and, you know, grow your communication skills and just your people skills and all, all of those kinds of things. Um, and my older brother before me uh, founded a nonprofit with his high school debate partner that had something to do with like nuclear energy or, or something like something super crazy that I still don't understand. So when, <laughs> <laughs> when mom came to me and was like, Eva, it's time for you to start thinking about your, your high school project. Like I just knew it needed to be something pretty, pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you have to be the nuclear physicist. So and around that time, uh, my parents were going through a divorce and my mom was just trying to, get back on her feet financially after everything that had happened. And she wanted to read the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Um, Cause she'd heard so many great things about Dave Ramsey and, and wanted to hop on that bandwagon. So mm-hmm. 
she didn't want to spend the money to buy the book because she's in this new like frugal mindset. So she goes to the library to borrow it. And unfortunately for me, um, they didn't have the book. They only had it on CD. And so I got stuck listening to it with her in the car, <laughs> which I was not about, like, let's just say, <laughs> not thrilled. No. Um, but then surprisingly, as I'm listening to to Dave, I'm actually really interested in what he's talking about. Like, I don't know. I just like blew my own mind right there that I was actually interested in what he was saying. <laughs> um, but he was talking about these baby steps that adults can take to get themselves out of debt and then start saving for their retirement. And it was kind of the first time that I was 15 during this time. It was the first time I ever realized that like people had debt and that was a thing that people have have like hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that they are working to pay off and that they're saddled with. And that is such a huge burden for them in their lives. And I was very fortunate growing up. My parents were very purposeful with my older brother and I to educate us on, on just basic budgeting things. I've been doing the envelope system since I was five and they were just really great to involve us in the family finances with if something would go wrong or if they made a mistake, they were open and honest with us about that and allowed us to learn from it as well. Um, so even at 15, I, I felt like I had a, a solid basic understanding of budgeting. But then listening to Dave, I realized that that's not the norm for most people, that, that most kids get dropped off at college and have no idea how to budget for groceries every week. Exactly. Um, and it just got me thinking more that I was like, you know, I, I feel like I have this good understanding, but man, like, I don't ever want to have to grow up and read this book. Love you, Dave, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I, I, I want to be financially secure. And so I hopped online and started doing some research. And of course, I found so many amazing resources out there for adults like Dave on how you can start a budget how you can save for your retirement, how you can get yourself out of debt, all of those kinds of things. But there was really nothing or very little out there in the way of education for teens on how to not get there in the first place. Right. And there was specifically nothing for teens by another teen. And so I kind of had this like really beautiful little light bulb moment where I was like, huh, I know what I want my project to be. Right. <laughs> um, and so in 2013, um, we started Teens Got Sense. I think we bought like a $75 WordPress theme and I had no idea what I was doing, um, but got it started, um, got involved at FinCon. And I really have to attribute so much of what I've learned and, and how successful Teens Got Sense has been to that community of the people just helping me understand how to make a blog successful. Um, and I'm 20 years old now and Teen Scott Sense is my full-time job and I absolutely love it. That is amazing. Amazing story. There's so much information there I want to follow up on. <laughs> One, I, I, how prescient of it was your mom to be able to say, be involved in our, fi the, your mom and dad to say, be involved in our finances. Cause if you're not, you're just going to be set up for failure down the road. I mean, that's, was, was that how your parents were raised as well? Or was where did they get that inspiration? Any idea? Um, I know that my mom did the envelope system with her parents when she was young, uh, when she was a kid. And so I think that that all just kind of stemmed from, from the education she had growing up. And so was that an art as a, as a, maybe a younger teenager, 12, 13, being involved in, in the fi family finances that way, was that an arduous process or was it just part of how you guys lived? 
it was just part of how we lived. When I, when I turned 14, um, my parents opened me up a bank account. I got a debit card, um, and they were generous and increased my allowance. Um, but with that money, I became responsible for purchasing all my own clothes, Hmm. um, which was such a huge, that's such a huge skill to learn of how to be (laughs) frugal and, and how to, budget your money wisely when you're trying to buy clothes because clothes are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I got to learn at a really young age. And they did that for my brother as well. Um, and, you know, for the first year, my mom would really help me and help me shop the sales rack and help me learn, you know, kind of sometimes you have to say no to things that you want because you don't have enough money for them, you know. Um, but then after that, I was just kind of on my own and got to figure it out, got to make some mistakes and, and you know, learn from that. Right. That's, that's awesome that your, your parents were there as a guide and not a rule. And I think that for parents who are listening right now, that is the opportunity that you have to teach your children simple money lessons is that you can guide them, allow them to, like you said, even make mistakes. Most of the time, our mistakes are the, are the keys to our learning, our our uh, ability to um, self-correct. Uh, so your parents did that without having to lay down the rule and say, you can do this and you cannot do that. They said, here you go. You make some make some mistakes, but we'll be there to bring you back on course if you need some help. Exactly. I mean, like what a safer, what a safer place for me to make mistakes in, you know, instead of out in the real world, right. but um, where they were there, it could be there right alongside me to help me get back up and, and learn from those things. Right. You know, I wonder if, you know, listening to your story, it makes me wonder if a lot of parents don't get involved, get get their children involved with money at a young age because parents are still afraid of talking about money themselves. And we just recorded a podcast with uh, a relationship professional the other day, and she was talking about how a lot of people that she talks with, um, they leave their original relationship because partly because of money. They didn't talk about money. And then they're afraid to bring that up in their new relationship. So it's a, it's a habit that, that, that's cyclical. And I wonder if there's a reason, you know, a lot of parents are afraid to talk about money with, with the other parent, let alone the, the children. Definitely. I, I don't, I think a lot of par- parents feel ill-equipped to, to be educating their children on that because, you know, maybe they don't, they're not making the best choices themselves or they don't feel like they know a whole lot about it. And so they're like, how could I be teaching my kid about this? Exactly. Exactly. One question for you, Eva, as a teen, from that perspective, what do you think was the, maybe the keys to you engaging in that kind of conversation and, and being a part of that without I take a step back here. I think a lot of times adults look at teens and they say they're aloof. They're not interested. They've got hormones, things going on. They're yeah. just, they don't care. You try to talk to them and they don't engage. They care more about Justin Bieber. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like Justin Bieber. <laughs> so what was it that, um, maybe just a little bit of advice for the parents out there. What was it that you engaged with when your parents said, this is something we're going to do? Um, you know, I think when I was younger, it it was just, it was more just kind of like, that was the way things were. And that's just how our, how our family kind of rolled. 
Um, and it was, you know, there was no use for me to fight it. Um, right. and, but I think as I got older, um, and especially after my parents divorce, um, my mom and I just grew so close and she, I mean, when I was 14 started treating me like an adult and, and started respecting me as an adult in her home. Um, did I, was I still under her authority? Yes. But her giving me that respect allowed me to be open to everything that she had to say and teach me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I think a lot of parents can make the mistake of looking at their teenage children and, and thinking that they have to still parent them like they're a child. Um, and I think that that does that teen a, a real disservice um, because mom having that respect for me allowed me to have respect for her. And we have a beautiful relationship together. Um, and I, I was able to be open to anything she had to say to me. Right. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. Your mom sort of raised the bar in the household saying, I'm going to treat you like an adult. And you, exactly. lived, you lived up to that expectation. Exactly. And I think that that's true for all teens. I think that the standard, like you said, people think that teens don't care because they're, you know, hormones and Justin Bieber and whatever. Um, <laughs> Justin Bieber's important though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but when that bar is raised for us, we, we can meet it. It is possible. It's just that it's set so low. I mean, when, when your only responsibility in life is to make good grades and keep your room clean, I mean, that's enough to drive anyone insane, you know? <laughs> right. That's, that's, I think it's pretty powerful stuff. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself, maybe not necessarily related to our topic or today's topic. <laughs> but I, I also want to say, I think it's great that your mom, that your parents were homeschooling and that they, uh, I don't know whether it was struck, it was, it was, it was uh, mandated by the state or not. But for, for them to require you to go through a, an exhaustive project like this, um, because to me, what that, in, what that underscores is that when you, know, you, you were assigned this project, so you had to look for opportunities or ideas to, to make a successful project. To me, that underscores the need of if you're looking for opportunities, you will find them. You have to right. just be open to them. And so here yeah. you went to the library and you clearly were not interested in listening to Dave Ramsey talk for four hours, but <laughs> it clearly had a, had a benefit. Yeah. Monumental impact on your life. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So how are you, um, how are you helping teens today? What are, what, what are some of your pro the projects you're working on? What's, what's the impact that you're making? So I've had the opportunity um, pretty early on starting Teens Got Sense to work with a couple of different organizations and go in um, to after school programs and into schools and, and everything like that and, and work with with kids who come from underserved communities and spend an hour with them and teach them about personal finance. And I, I go in and I tell them a little bit about myself and then I try to make the class as interactive as possible. I, I try to ask them, you know, what are ways that you guys make money right now? You know, what do you think a budget is? How do you budget your money? Uh, what do you like to spend your money on? You know, those kinds of questions. And then I teach them the envelope system. I, I bring my own envelopes and I explain how that system works. And then I pass them, I pass out envelopes for them to fill out for themselves and they get to take them home. Um, and that's something that I love to do. I love getting to interact with these, with these different kids. 
um, and get to learn a little bit about them and their lives. And really, it's it's incredible to me. I, again, going back to the adults thinking that teens don't care, um, you know, they may a teen may never come up to you and start a conversation with you about personal finance. But if you start the conversation, they are so interested, but they just don't even know, like they don't even know the kind of questions they need to be asking. But if you open that door, they're actually really interested and they want to, they want to know more. They don't want to be in debt. They, you know, they want to be able to save up and buy a car. They want to save up and go to college. They have amazing goals. They just don't have the tools to make that happen for themselves. Um, and so I love getting the opportunity to go in and, and give them a practical way that they can start reaching some of their goals. That's incredible. So at what age did you start going into the classroom and start talking to kids? Um, you know, probably, I think probably 17. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> speaking in front of a group of people is oftentimes Daunting. ranks as neither number one or number two on the most feared things for people to do in their lives. And you got to start with this at the age of 17. I don't want to say that you were non-socialized because you were, uh, you were homeschooled, but mm -hmm. you obviously weren't in a classroom environment on a regular basis, right? Um, no, I was not. Um, but I believe that my, being able to get up and speak in front of people really um, comes from the fact that during high school, um, both my brother and I competed in a um, competitive speech and debate league for uh -huh. homeschoolers. Nice. Um, and so that really, really gave me the the skills and the tools that I needed to be able to get up in front of a group of teens and, and teach those classes for sure. If I, if I didn't have that, I don't, I don't think that would have happened at all. <laughs> it's, it's incredible because I think that um, everything that I'm hearing about your story is that you and your parents gave you the opportunities to learn and grow that would allow you to do something as early as possible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I, it sounds to me like they allowed you to determine what direction you wanted to learn and grow. Whereas it seems more often than not today, kids are put into various after-school activities at the mm -hmm. bequest of their parents <laughs> without much consideration as to what the kids really want. Um, but it's, I, I love your story. Yeah. You know, it, I, it, I think there are probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of adults who would love to have had that kind of guidance and uh, inspiration from their parents and from school. Yeah. Absolutely. So what I'm very, very blessed. Very yeah, thankful. Absolutely. What kind of response then are you getting from uh, the kids that are they, do they have, what kind of questions do they have? Um, do they, do you see light bulb moments that resonate or, or are there certain topics that, that they engage with more than others? Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, I, the, the education I do see out there for teens on personal finance, it um, tends to revolve a, a lot around like saving for your retirement or investing um, or kind of some of these bigger topics that teens don't necessarily care about. Mm -hmm. um, so when I go in, I, I try not to try not to discuss those things, but start with what, what teens do care about. And, you know, teens care about Justin Bieber and that's <laughs> cool. And so like, you know, I, I try to come at 
come to them with the angle of I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you tell you how you can save up to buy those really nice jeans that you want. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you how you can start saving for the car that you want when you turn 17. You know the things that they they're actually interested in, um, and those are the those are the kind of things that we talk about and those are the kind of things they want to know how to save for. And then the beautiful thing is about that. Even though they may not be saving for their retirement, maybe they are saving up for Justin Bieber tickets. They're still getting that education and they're still learning. And that's just going to grow and morph as they get older into saving up and learning about those bigger things. Right. right. That's yeah. That's great. Yeah. The fundamentals are the same, whether you're saving exactly. $5 a week so you can get afford $300 Justin Bieber tickets for, for the summer, or you're setting a little money aside after you get your first real job to start saving for retirement. The fundamentals are the same. Right. Exactly. You're developing those good money habits. Yeah. And that's, it sounds like that's what your mom did with you. And now that now you're doing that with, with your, with your clients. Do you have um, one-on-one clients at all? Um, no, not, not so far. Um, just, just the bigger groups of of kids that I get to go in and talk to. Sure. So when you're, when you are talking with these these students, what, um, what are their biggest concerns with money? I think for, for most of them, um, because, um, the majority of them do come from underserved communities is they're concerned with getting into college. They have beautiful dreams for their lives of what they want to go. And I, I love seeing these kids and, and just hearing about what they want to do, whether they want to be a doctor or um, a lawyer or, or whatever it might be. They, they have these really incredible goals, um, but they don't know how to get there. Um, and I see that being a, a, a source of fear in their lives that maybe they're not always really willing to talk about. Um, but when you kind of open it up and, and come at it from an angle of, hey, I'm going to help you with this, um, they, they do start to open up more. Nice. And you, you have a ton of information on your blog, but I know you, you have a special vertical specifically for college sense is what you call it. Yes. A lot of great information there. What, um, what, uh, can you share like, any general information that you might share with a teenager who's concerned about saving money for college? I think that the biggest thing is that, um, and I know this is true in my own life regarding lots of different things, not just money, um, but when something seems big and scary and it seems like, like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to save up that, that kind of money to go to college. Like you just don't even start, you don't even try. Um, and I think that that can be a, a huge downfall for a lot of teens. So even though it might be very, very overwhelming, even though you may never be able to save up the amount that you really need still start putting some money aside for it, you know, and I, I think, I think it's hard to take that first step, but I think that is absolutely key. Um, another thing that I, I really encourage the students to do is get online and just spend time searching for scholarships because there are so many scholarships out there for so many different things and, and money that just sits there because no one even a- applies for them. Um, and so I think Teens just spending, I don't know, 30 minutes a day online researching scholarships can be absolutely huge. Are they like, they have like those apps that like send you like a scholarship a day. Like I think I normally, I tell a lot of the kids like sign up for that app and, and, you know, utilize it. Cause you know, you might have to write an essay and that might take an hour out of your life. But if it gets you money for college, like 
you know, that's totally worth it. Yeah, I think I saw a statistic one. This is several years ago, so it's, it, it could be outdated, and I could completely have my math wrong. But it was something like seventy million dollars were left on the table each year for scholarships, yeah. simply because people don't apply for them. Exactly. And so, regardless of where you are in the country, what your socioeconomic status is, simply apply because the competition isn't <laughs> isn't that fierce for some of these. Right. We actually have a, a partnership with. Um, the scholarship system and the woman who started that, her process was to not go after the high dollar uh, scholarships because there was so much competition. Right. She put herself through college, spent 125000 or received $125,000 in scholarship money and n- never, never received more than $4,000 for any single scholarship. So wow. what, what you're saying is, is absolutely true. There's so much availability out there that you can put yourself through college. Yeah, it just takes a little bit of work. So don't go after, don't go after the fifty thousand dollar, hundred thousand dollar scholarship because you're probably not going to get it. Every student in the country is doing that one. But yeah. you know, do be a bottom feeder, get those smaller one thousand dollar to five thousand dollar scholarships, and you could put your your way, pay your way all the way through school. Right. Exactly. Um, you had mentioned uh, in one of our conversations that you do some work with um, some LGBT youth. Would you mind uh, elaborating on that, please? Yes. Yeah, so um, one of the organizations that I work with, um, Healthy Start here in, in Northeast Florida, um, one of the organizations that they go into and, and teach um, health classes to is um, a, a place called Jasmine here in Jacksonville, where I'm from, which is a a place for LGBT youth to come um think of the ages are 13 to 23 and they just work to create a, a safer affirming community um, for these teens to come to and and have lots of different programs and services for them to be a part of and it's it's a really cool thing what they're doing um, just providing a place where these kids can come after school and and feel safe and feel included and feel accepted um, and so I got to go there I'm Several years ago was the first time that I went um, and just did the exact same thing with with these teens that I would do in any of the other classes, and um, it's it's been really it's been really cool to get to be involved in a part of that a part of that group and just see how just very welcoming of me they are and how interested they were to learn in finance uh, about finances and they were they were very savvy. Um, and, and really knew, really knew a lot. One of, in the first class that I taught, one of the young man, what, one of the young men, he was already saving up for a car and had been putting a ton of money aside to, to get himself a car and was working very hard. And that was really, really cool to see, um, just, you know, him without really any education from anyone, he was doing it on his own. Nice. That's nice. cool. Well, thank you for doing that. Cause I think, you know, these are younger teenagers, or, you know, they're, they're teenagers, younger teenagers. They're probably just becoming, um, starting to identify with what the gender orientation is, their sexual orientation. And, um, you know, here's, here you are, you're, you're still of the cool age. You're like in your young twenties <laughs> where you're still hip and cool. And they're like, Oh, this young, hip, cool person thinks I'm, 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 I'm cool to come talk to you. Like she wants to spend time with me. So that kind of reaffirms them because they might be going through some struggles through in high school or even even in home where they mm-hmm. feel like they're inadequate. So to have somebody that's kind of young and hip, uh, you know, reaffirming that you know, they are valid and worth something. It's, it's, I think that alone, just the fact that you're showing up um, is sends a powerful message. 
Right. We, we wrote an article a while back uh, about four money moves to make when you're gay and 18. And really kind of the idea was uh, the focus of that article was that a lot of decisions that queer youth make um, are oftentimes delayed because they don't have the confidence to make those decisions because they may feel like they're in a maybe they they can't make those decisions because they're in a household where they don't feel comfortable being out they can't be out to their family or in a school or in an area of the country where they don't feel safe and one of the things that John and I talked about is that although money doesn't guarantee freedom it can be used as a tool to allow you to make better decisions and one of the things that we have found over the last couple of years is that across the country in various cities, most cities, uh, that 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBT. And most of them probably left home because they were in a situation where they didn't feel comfortable or they were scared. Right. So they fled. And now they're in a, in, in, in a worse off situation financially, being on the streets. And uh, oftentimes we know or we've heard stories of what that can lead to. And so I, I really appreciate that you're doing this because you're helping a segment of the population that be more, might be more inclined to listen to you than they would to John and I. <laughs> so we really appreciate what you're doing. We're too old men. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So in line with what David just said there, it says 40% of homeless youth um, do identify as LGBT. Do you have any uh, resources or guidance or suggestions on how they might be able to better position themselves, even though they uh, you know, might not have a, be able to go home or they might not necessarily be in school? Any any suggestions on how they can maybe better position themselves for, for success? Uh, I think that the first thing would, would be for them just to find uh, find a find a place, find a, a person, find. A community that they that they can feel comfortable in and that they can feel safe in because um, I think it's hard for anyone if they don't feel safe I think it would be difficult to make any steps towards um, reaching your goals um, and so I think that would probably be the first thing would just find find an environment that you can feel comfortable in to really start sitting down assessing what your goals are and making a plan to reach them that's absolutely, and that's yeah, that's that's a great idea. There's um there's Urban Peak here in Denver that uh, helps homeless youth, most of whom, of course, identify as LGBT. Obviously, sounds like Jasmine, um, Jacksonville area sexual minority youth network in um, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, is a resource for for youth down in in uh, Jacksonville. Um, so thank you for that. One one more question I have, and I, I was kind of backtracking a little bit. I wanted to ask it earlier, and I forgot. Um, from your perspective, what uh what differences, financial concerns, uh, or financial nuances do you see uh, different for the ge various generations, Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X? Um, but from your perspective, are they all struggling with the same thing? Do you see different different issues or concerns? That's interesting. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I don't look at at my generation. Um, you know, I'm 20, so I'm kind of right on the cusp of of two generations i'm like the lower end of millennials but the higher end of um is it gen gen y gen no is it yeah, I think gen, gen y is after millennial okay yeah, yeah. we're gen we're gen x right yeah yeah, yeah. okay there's so many different like <laughs> generation i can't keep it straight um, 
Uh, and so I, I really think for millennials, I think that the the struggle is just, I, I think just probably more of a, a lack of education there. And they're just kind of, you know, maybe, maybe doing, doing whatever um, and, and finding themselves starting to slip in some, slip into some debt. But I, and then I also see them like realizing that and then trying to make a change. I, I think with like my parents' generation, the struggle is more that they just are still saddled with so much debt mm-hmm. and just trying to get out of that, even, even though they're older. Um, but for teens, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Cause I, I think that, you know, if you're living at home and you know, your parents are still providing a lot for you, I, I think that that is really the safest time for you to start making mistakes with your, you know, with your finances when really there, it comes at very little risk to you. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very important. And we're going to highlight that, that particular comment in the show notes. I think it's, it's, it's very powerful. One of the things that David and I struggle with, um, you know, our, our niche is obviously the LGBT community and mm-hmm. we do anything and every, everything we can to get their attention. But by and large, people um, in our community will only engage with us when they are maxed out with their credit cards or they're just so stressed out because they haven't saved for retirement and they're in their 40s or 50s and right. now they're scared. So one of the things we're struggling with is how can we get in front of our community at a younger age or sooner so that we can sort of be proactive and and, and prevent the, the lack of retirement funding heart attack, which is exactly yeah. what you're doing. You're getting you're, you're talking to, to, to younger people at a much earlier age and trying to position them better for success. So I think that's um, that was a great comment. Thank you. Um, so I think this has been very powerful. Do you have anything else you want to ask? Yeah, I do have one question for you. Uh, and I think that this is something that, um, it, it's something that our community, I think in general struggles with. Uh, and I would love to hear your perspective as a young person, when you were starting your blog, the inner conversation that was happening in your head that may have been around limiting beliefs. I'm too young to do this. I don't have enough experience. Everybody else is, uh, who's doing this is better at this than me. What was the conversation that you were having in your head or maybe even with your mom uh, or dad about your ability to do this and the charge forward that says, I'm, I am confident enough to do this, I can do this, and I will do this? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, something that I think everyone struggles with is, is being confident, Um I, I can tend to be a little bit or a lot of a perfectionist. Um, and so sometimes it, when there's that fear of failure, um, it's hard for me sometimes to even try. You know, if I, if I don't think I'm going to be perfect at it, then I'm like, ah, probably just shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, and so that even, I mean, that's still even a, a constant struggle with me. Not even, I mean, of course I struggled with that when I was, when I was starting Teen Scott Sense. Um, but then maybe not, not even so much because it really did truly just start out as a high school project and something that um, obviously I was putting effort into, but it wasn't, it wasn't my business yet. It wasn't, I loved it and I was passionate about it, but it, it wasn't really um, my, my life mission. Um, and, and so that was, it was easy. I feel like it was easier for when I, when I was a teen and kind of looking at it as um something just a school project and it wasn't I mean it wasn't a, it wasn't really even a question it was I had to do it for school you know mm-hmm. um and so getting started was easier but now that 
um, I'm older and that's grown and now just having to take steps to improve my business and grow my business. That's, I really, that is something I really struggle with and something I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. And, you know, like I like have nervous breakdowns, <laughs> you know, ever so often. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Um, but that's been, I'm know. glad we're not the only ones. <laughs> Dave and I have that conversation at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. All, all the time. I, I, yeah, I cry a lot. You can ask my mom. Um, <laughs> Did you ever see, there's a, um, I have to find it. I posted it on Facebook in the, in the FinCon group a while back, but it's this, it's, it's a, it's a chart with, you know, with the line going, um, the line chart going up the top right but of course that's what everybody imagines at success is that straight line but it's really this uh this wavy line that goes back yeah. and forth and all around and it's peaks and valleys of emotions some days you're the, you're the most you're the best entre entrepreneur ever then other days you're like i don't even know why i'm doing this why am i, why am I even here <laughs> exactly yes exactly and so that's really um when I'm able to, to turn to um you know just the people that i have in my life my mom my brother um and my friends and just you know, mainly my mom, just really be able to kind of talk that out with her and, you know, kind of, you know, regain my confidence a little bit like that. And one thing that I love about my mom is that she's just, she is the person in my life that when I'm standing on the edge of a cliff and like need to make a huge decision or need to take a huge step to, to improve my business, improve myself, improve, you know, whatever. She's, she's just that person that just comes up behind me and just shoves me off of it. <laughs> um, and every, everyone needs a person like that in their life. I'm just going to say. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because early on my mom, um, kind of took over the back end stuff with teens got sense. Um, and so she's been my business partner all of these years. It's, it's become a project that we've worked on together. Um, and so having, having her as a business partner has definitely kept me motivated. Definitely help me keep my confidence and just having someone that I'm able to talk to and, and make decisions with is, is so helpful. Cause if I was doing this by myself, like I, I, I wouldn't be, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be nowhere. Absolutely. So I've gotten two things out of this one. Clearly you're a, a smart, motivated, passionate individual and you deserve all the success that you're getting. But I think a lot of kudos has to go to your mom to create a an environment where you can learn on many different levels and have the opportunity to fail and do that in an environment where it's not as traumatic as if you made similar mistakes in your 30s or 40s right. so i think a lot of kudos has to go to your mom charlotte baker for um everything that, that's that's amazing oh for sure she's the best absolutely so what's next for eva baker where do you see you're only 20 i mean are you in college right now um, I've actually been able to take the whole year off, which has been, um, really great and really focusing, focusing on work, um, which, which I've loved. That's been a, it's been a good break for me. Um, I definitely do hope to go back. Um, but I don't know, like I'm also, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now and, and don't want to, I, I don't really want to have to give up any of my time doing, doing what I love, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, how many, how many multimillionaires didn't, complete college so there's nothing says you have to go and uh, so where do you see things going do you think you'll get your CFP do you think you'll grow this into a bigger platform do you I don't know you know I it's it's hard for me to say just because this did just start off something I was doing for for homeschooling and I never envisioned it turning into what it's turned into now um, it, it just I was given opportunities and doors were open and uh, you know I, I worked hard and have gotten to where I am but 
at the same time, you know, I was never a little kid like, oh, I want to be a personal finance blogger when I, <laughs> um, <laughs> that never even crossed my mind. And so when people ask me like, oh, where do you see this going in, you know, five years, 10 years, I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of feel like I'm just along for the ride and I'm open to wherever it takes me, you know? Oh, that's great. Well, you're open um, to opportunities, so you'll, more opportunities will present themselves, and you'll take what, what's most interesting at that time. It, to be honest, John and I were talking about this beforehand when we were preparing for the show, and I'll I'll make a I'll make a prediction that I think that someday we're going to see Eva Baker on the cover of Forbes or <laughs> Entrepreneur Magazine as the woman who retired at 30 and is teaching everybody else how they can do the same. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I would be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, where can our audience find out more about you, your social media, your websites, books, anything? Yes. Yeah, so um, you can find me, of course, online at um, teenscottsense.com and then Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at teenscottsense. And that sense is uh, as in the penny, C-E-N-T-S. So that's cool. And, uh, and tell us a little bit about your book. My book. Um, yes. So I wrote an ebook. Um, seven, seven days of sensible savings. Um, when I, when I first, I, I guess maybe a couple months into starting the site, um, just as a tool for, for really younger teens to be able to go through, um, as, as a more of a workbook to help them discover ways to earn more money for themselves and then how to manage that money. Awesome. After, so you want, when they have it. All right. So for parents and teens, this is a source where they can help Come together on money. So yeah. let's uh, get over the, to Teens Got Sense and start get that book. Now. It's on the, um, I think it's on the right rail of almost all your pages, if not every single one. So that's yeah. great. So uh, make sure you subscribe to that and get that book and start having that conversation with your teenager today. And maybe they, your teenager won't have to go to college either. <laughs> That'll save you hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars. <laughs> right. Unless, of course, they want to go to college. So. Of course. Well, Eva, thank you so much for coming on. We, uh, we appreciate it. Um, we love seeing you at FinCon, and, and we appreciate you approaching us. Um, I don't know exactly how we got on the topic of having you on our show, but we, we appreciate you coming on. So thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. thank you guys so much for having me. Although there were times during the show that, like us, you may have felt a little envious of the early start that Eva got, it had to have inspired you like it did us, too. After recording the show with Eva, John and I are even more compelled to help our queer community live bigger and better lives by being money conscious. Have a great week and see you back here next week. And remember to have fun and live debt-free. Okay, we just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead, I'll have a Snickers tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts. So. <laughs> yeah. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.